Hi everyone, I'm Ruth McDee and this is Real Life with Ruth McDee. So glad you're here today. We are going to be talking with Mr. Davenport. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's been on the show before. Simon Davenport grew up um, and had some really serious mental health issues. And I've worked in mental health myself before, so has my husband. And what I love about his story is it's not your typical taking meds for the rest of my life, in therapy for the rest of my life, completely different. This is a God testimony, and I cannot wait to share it with you. You don't hear these too often, not because they don't happen, but because in the past it's been a very private issue, and sometimes people don't want to give what they have to give to receive from God what He has to give. So stick around, and if you know anyone at all who has mental health issues, whether it's serious or it's anxiety or depression or just a little bit of not fitting in and not feeling right, whatever, wherever they fall, make sure and pass this podcast along to them because they need to hear it. So I'm not getting into giving you any of his story. Forget the introduction. Sorry there, mate, but <laughs> he has got such a great story and knows how to tell it well. So if you would, just welcome Simon Davenport. Thank you so much, Ruth. I am so glad you're here. Me too. We had a lot of fun the last time. It really stirred something in me. Oh, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. it stirred something in him. That's awesome. Yeah. So there is a, well, there is a lot for us, and I can't wait to get started with it because your testimony is powerful. But it's a testimony I believe a lot of people are missing in their lives because they just don't give God the opportunity to do it in their lives. So let's get right to it. Tell us, so well, let's talk about how we reconnected. Somehow we met on Facebook years ago, and I was praying for this guy, and he had no idea, and I would just as I would think about him or his, his picture would come across my Facebook page, I would pray for him. You were in a pretty dark place at that point, as I recall. Yeah, like, you know, even when we first met, you said, you know, something similar. Like, it was a rough, you know, from the outside looking in, a rough patch. And I'm going like, well, which which one, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's so many different parts when I look back at my past. Um, you know, and in and, and, and telling my story, it... it it's not very like linear, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we hear all these testimonies from, from church or from faith leaders even that, you know, it was like bottom of the barrel and then it was just like, you know, straight up and to the right. Um, I think when you met me, I had maybe a couple years of uh, sobriety. It was probably clean and sober and served, you know, the Lord and had a salvation experience and, and fell back into some worldliness and, so I was probably with a band, yes. uh, traveling, uh, running from God. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be spiritual enough to not drink and drug like I did, but I was in a really dark place. Mm. I think I actually hit another uh, just bottom, um, totally clean and sober, uh, doing what I thought I wanted to do as a kid was travel and play music and make my own rules and live mm-hmm. my own path. And I found that ultimately um, I was miserable. Mm. Um, even, even with, you know, with like this kind of cultural, like vision of success, like I, you know, very miserable and, um, and yeah, so I imagine in somewhere in the late 2000, you know, 2000s, I got tricked into coming to a, a worship conference here in, in, you know, the oh, Sa- that's right. Nashville yeah, Franklin yeah, yeah. area and, 
Well, let's before we go there, <laughs> yeah. let's because that's a funny story actually. Yeah. Before we go there, let's go back a bit and let's start at the very beginning. What was the home life like for you when you were growing up as a kid? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I I think it's such an important um, important question, important thing to think about. You know, I, I've got two young kids and a you know I've got a young family. God's blessed me with, and I think about that all the time. That the you know the decisions that I'm making as a parent. Are definitely going to impact you know my children spiritually, mentally, and so when I share you know my my testimony, I think there I'm kind of personally working through mis you know some uh, some misgivings and maybe some um, some static as I really lean into the story uh, my story because both my parents are still alive mm-hmm. and I I struggle with this idea of like I want to honor them I want to love them I want to be Christ I want them to see Christ in my life but also um, you know, like I, I don't, I don't think I should just not talk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just because, yeah. because they're still alive and they, they see, you know, they see my life and, and so, like, so I, I, I do. There's a, there's a, there's a tension there. My, my mom and dad are both still alive and, and both in a lot of ways working through their own stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was raised in a, I was, ra- it was very kind of a weird thing. I was raised in a family. We had great insurance because my, my stepdad. You know, had a That's good job. That's important. Yeah. It's coming up. And so, um, and they they really wanted good for me, uh, but they were super dysfunctional. Both my parents were drug addicts, alcoholics, all the isms, all the dysfunction in my family. Um, and and so, I was raised in a very chaotic, tumultuous upbringing. You know, with abuse, with uh, with you know, I was really wounded as a kid. Um, and so I, uh, I think it manifested like in my life through just chaos and addiction. And I mean, I came out of the gate, like just a mess, a mess. Um, and so, uh, and I don't know if we even talked about this. I, I've never actually met my biological father. Oh, I don't think I knew And this. so, yeah, yeah. So there was a moment, um, you know, I think in, I was like 12 or 13, I'm looking at family pictures and I'm like. You know, my mom and dad are, are kind of fair-skinned, and I look a lot more like my mom than my dad. My younger brother's like blue eyes, you mm-hmm. know, blonde hair. My dad's blue eyes, blonde hair. And I'm looking at this, like, and I look like this little Chinese, like, baby, you know? Like, I had very pudgy <laughs> cheeks, and I look, I look nothing like my family. And I didn't think much about it, and then I was kind of like, wait a minute, like, why do I look like I don't belong? And, and it came up, you know, maybe between 10 and 12 that, that I, was, I was adopted oh. by my um, father, my mother was got pregnant um, unexpectedly, and my biological father gave her an ultimatum. It's either abortion um, or I'm 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 split in town. Wow, you're you're even blessed to be here. Yeah, and my mom wrestled with the thing, and she was a a Catholic. She got raised Catholic, and you can ask her; it's her story to tell. But she felt like you know the, the God that she grew up with as a kid mm-hmm. reached out and told her, "Hey, don't." Mm-hmm. Don't harm the kid, and and actually, get, my name came from this. I don't know what you'd call it, spiritual experience. Wow. My mom had his name's gonna be Simon Joseph, and he's he's gonna be a boy. And don't you know? Don't touch him. Oh wow! And so I did yeah. not know this. Yeah, and, and so I'm I'm actually me and my wife are you know it's like a joke. We're like find my dad 24. Like so mm. this year I'm actually Aww. gonna set out and I'm gonna find my biological That's very father. Cool. Well, I wish you well. We'll be praying for you <laughs> yeah. on this end that yeah. you find him. But um, but yeah. So I think um. I had a very, very uh, early experience with drugs and alcohol that really just changed. It just changed me, you know. My mom, I saw drinking and drug use in my, fa- you know, as a kid, 
and just, you know, swore to myself, I'm never going to experiment mm-hmm. with drugs and alcohol. I'm never going to mess with it. I saw what it was doing to my parents. And, um, but by 12 years old, I had had my first, um, you know, experience and, and had an overdosed on drugs at mm. 12, um, you know, became a drug addict really quick. Like yeah. my mom, um, you know, early on, she started going to 12 step programs, dragging me and my brother. And so really my whole drinking and drug career, I was just trying to prove to myself that I wasn't an addict and an alcoholic the whole time. Mm. Like trying to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. found so much relief and, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and substances. And then the whole time realized like, okay, this isn't normal, you know, as a kid. And so at 12, I, uh, yeah, I had my first, um, overdose wow, and 12 years. Yeah. Of age. It's, it's weird. So if you are doing an, if you are doing an overdose at 12, what in the world was going on? I mean, we've heard that your parents were, mm-hmm. you know, there was, there was a big struggle in life for them. Obviously you are feeling the ramifications of that. Mm-hmm. What was it that actually put you there? That's a great question. I mean, I remember the first time I had a, a real, you know, mood and or mind altering substance, you know, it it was just kind of felt like something I, I touched something, something happened in me that I was like, Oh, this is I've been missing this. This kind of part mm-hmm. of like I need this. And even as like a, a you know, like an adolescent, like a preteen, like it clicked. I was like, man, this is something that I like, I need in my life. So that was even prior to that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, like I saw all this stuff, like my parents, uh, had kind of split up and got back together and it was kind of crazy. There was, a, you know, there was physical abuse in my house. So I'd ran away from home. I wound up in, you know, like foster care at one point. It was, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was, it was super crazy. But I say this, I think drugs and alcohol kind of saved my life at one point. And, um, you know, I found myself like super depressed, super suicidal, you know, at 12. So actually on the tail end of that overdose, I remember my mom looked at me and said, hey, like, um, do you need help? You know, and there was just like, to say I felt bad was like, I just felt numb. I felt empty. Mm -hmm. I felt nothing. And I just remember saying, yeah, I I do, you know. And so we wound up at this place in South Mississippi is where I'm from, Um, you know, danger to myself and maybe other people. And, uh, and I, you know, I was institutionalized at 12 into a wow. like psychiatric unit for, yeah. you know, for, for kids, one of the darkest, you know, memories of my life, mm-hmm. um, times of my life. Um, so were you medicated pre that? No, never, okay. you know, just maybe like, what's wrong with this kid kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, at that time, um, I think it was, I was, you know, 12 years old, you know, clinically depressed mm-hmm. as I think. Wow. That was something that, yeah. And up till 21, 22, you know, I was on some pretty, pretty, I did run the gambit of all the SSRIs. And listen, I'm not a doctor. I just, I just have my story, you know, and as much as it's like, I I don't want to, I don't want to like encourage somebody to do something that's going to be bad for them. At the same time, like this is what happened to me. And so from 12 years old until, you know, later in my, in, in my, in, you know, in my testimony where, you know, where I had these God encounters, you know, I was on all of it, all the, all the mm. medication, all the different diagnosis that went from depression to bipolar to anxiety and just the whole, the whole, all of it. Mm. And I was on medicine from 12 years old to 20 something. Wow. And, um, now when you were 12 and in the hospital, when in the psychiatric unit, it was quite harrowing for me to hear you you say this about being on your own and your mom leaving. Mm-hmm. 
And how, what does that feel like as a 12 year old? You know, it's, I'm a big, I'm a big, uh, proponent for like healing and, and getting restored like spiritually, you mm-hmm. know? So, but you know, the, like I'm going to, you know, the, the stories I can share and the memories I do have aren't, I don't feel like in bondage to them anymore, but it's like mm-hmm. still very real. Like mm-hmm. I think I have a taste in my mouth for how bad that was, you know, how terrible those, those memories are. And it's kind of like a fuel to like, mm-hmm. I think it's created a passion in me to see other people set free, mm-hmm. you know? But I remember, yeah, 12 years old, um, drugged out of my mind in a locked room with, you know, the whole, you know, it wasn't like padded walls, but like that kind of a, just, yeah. it was, it was sterile. It was terrible. Minimum. Yeah. Terrible. And uh, the only way to get the hall monitor to your room, you're locked in there, is to sl- slide a piece of paper. They give you a piece of paper to slide under the door. Mm. I remember I just had this adverse reaction to the drugs they put me on. And I was just, you know, vomiting and, and I couldn't control my bowels and just crawling on the floor and just you wanted my mom mm. and sliding the piece of paper in and out of the door. And it just like, it's, it's, it was a, it was a, yeah, it's horrible, harrowing, you know, really, like mm-hmm. you said. And um, I'll never, I'll never forget it, you know. It's and it it it. I don't know if that if it was like I felt like, almost like um, like I was transgressed, you know, by God and the universe. Like why, you know, why am I having? Why is this my life? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember trying to go back to school and the stigma of where I was. It just sent me through down this like path of destruction. So when you were there, were you also then at that point diagnosed mm-hmm. with different things and probably and yeah the, the medicated and mm-hmm. so. You're not just dealing with what was before you before, mm-hmm. but now you're having to deal with, oh, I am mm-hmm. whatever the doctor said to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my, like, I'm 36 now. I probably, I mean, there's probably, you know, a generation maybe before me that was, you know, medicated, but I kind of feel like, I, you know, I was kind of like the poster child for, like, we're going to solve your problems through medicine, mm-hmm. through intellect, through an understanding of, like, the mind and, um, and like I said, like my, you know, they, my dad, stepdad had great insurance. So, I mean, I, I remember just countless birthdays, you know, getting drugged to some psychiatrist, psychologist, just missing out on my childhood and aware that like I was missing out on it. And, um, and yeah, there was at some point, um, it kind of became a, uh, it, it kind of became like, I was aware that, um, that life was different that it was painful, um, and that I had every reason to self-destruct, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I, and, and again, there's people that's had way worse, way worse experiences than I've had. Um, you know, they were traumatized way worse than I probably yeah. was. But I still, in, in, in part of my mind, I knew that, like, man, I could throw my life away, and I, and I was justified in it. Mm-hmm. Like and it was like an angry thing. There was an anger in me that like, man, I I can't believe I experienced this. It like came out and in, in um you know in self destruction. But like I, I felt like man, like you know, no kid should have to experience this. There was stuff in my life that I had no control over, and um and I could throw my life away. I could kill myself slowly through drugs and alcohol, through whatever, and uh, and I had every right to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like this chip on my shoulder that I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna burn out. Mm-hmm. In a blaze of glory. You are on a mission. And and mm-hmm. and you know whatever. You and and that was kind of my life. So then, what did it look like going forward? If that was what you were thinking in your head, what was happening out here? What were you doing? Yeah, I mean, there was a. Um, I kind of I kind of found out that I uh, had a a, uh, a leaning towards like music. 
Mm-hmm. I was a drummer. And so, um, you know, I found this passion in music and it really took off, uh, you know, doing all the, you know, the contests and all the stuff as a, as a high schooler and found it was like kind of became a, this identity, you know, mm-hmm. like party animal, drummer. And, um, and that, that kind of, that was that, that actually outlived my drug addiction. Um, later in life, you know, I, I get sober later. Uh, I still find that like being this mus- musician, um, it kind of made me feel like, you know, okay, like worthy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, like, you know, like the next kind of like point in my life that I remember things really, you know, took a turn for even the worst is, you know, being 15 and uh, there was this drug called methadone. It's what they give mm-hmm. people to get off of heroin. Was going through my town where I lived in South Mississippi, and one of the guys that was way older than me, but was like kind of a supplier, like kind of got got some of us high, um, had overdosed and died on this methadone. Mm. And so, uh, but it was still in the town, and so I guess it was like it was a little cheaper or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I remember we I was in a I was in a little house house party, a band. Um, Sold my skateboard for you know oh, wow. <laughs> drugs and alcohol. You that sold night. your skateboard. <laughs> yeah. That was a big deal. Yeah, my band was playing a, a, a house party, and I, I didn't, uh, my, you know, my mom didn't know where I was, and and um and I got to another low point, and I was gonna check into, I was gonna check into rehab. So uh, it was kind of my second round of being in, institutionalized. I was fifteen. Mm. Um, I had just found out. Uh, I say found out. I had just kind of come to grips that I was being um, sexually abused too. And so, um, you know, again, everything kind of felt like it was compounding. Yeah. And, um, and so I'd, I'd kind of, I'd came out to, to my mom and to, to people that, hey, this is happening to me. Um, it's all involved in the, the drugs and this lifestyle that I'm living, mm-hmm. dr- you know, drugs and alcohol and stuff. And it was somebody close to me. Um, and so I came out and said, hey, like, I'm, I'm, this is happening. It doesn't seem real, but like, I know it's happening. And so their their solution was to send me to rehab again. Like mm-hmm. that'll fix it, you know. Yeah. And so I had a I had a date on on the on the books with rehab, and it was like the last my last ho- like hoorah, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I ingested all kinds yeah. of drugs and alcohol and all that methadone, and I just remember uh, winding up in the backyard of this house, and everything was spinning, and I kind of felt like my awareness. I can't really explain it. it was like it, it it's like my eye like my vision was getting just dark, 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 like tunnel mm-hmm. vision. I remember these guys were standing over me and they were supposed to be my friends and they were like, man, like we gave him the drugs. Like, do we take him to the hospital? What do we do? Like, is if he, you know, if they ask him questions, like we're all going to be, impl- you know, and I'm literally oh just my. laying there, you know, feeling like I'm dying. I probably was dying. Yeah. And, um, and just, re- just realizing, man, like I'm all alone. Mm. And, um, and, 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 uh, and my mom shows up out of nowhere which is the crazy thing is I stole the family car. She didn't even oh. know where I was. I was miles away from my house. Oh, wow. And she, again, my mom's like, I get, you know, we, it's pretty wild. Like, in her own way, like, she's, she just, like, has heard from God in these pivotal moments in my life. And, um, and she said she just got up, put some clothes on, and just walked out of the front door and didn't have any clue where she was going. And she just felt like God told her, turn left, turn right, wound up straight to where I was, oh laying in that backyard. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. And she has like medical experience and they scooped me up, brought me home, kept me alive and sent, and got me to rehab. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. What a crazy story. Pretty, yeah, it was pretty wild. So did that change you? You know, that was that kind of made things even kind of worse. Like my, So my parents divorced. It's my fault. 
No um, one in my life believed that I was that I was being abused. So then I had the stigma of like lying about it, and it mm. and uh, and so I kind of like ran away from just you know that life, whatever. I tried to stay sober for a little bit, you know. I had some had a couple months of just kind of white knuckling it, and mm. and I fell off again. Mm. Uh, wound up in rehab again at nineteen, um, and really just it it. I just thank God that that pattern would never end until mm. like I was dead or I don't know or in prison maybe I don't know. Like I'm just so grateful. Like I just I'm so grateful that that there was just a moment in my life where I was. I felt now I know it was the grace of God. It yeah. was like in the middle of all that chaos, God just just gave me a second, just stilled the stilled the storm. I was in the back seat of a car. It was me and a couple guys I grew up with. We were waiting on drugs at a construction site, you know, in South Mississippi. And um, and the guy that was driving had a cell phone. It was just when pictures you could put a picture on your cell phone yeah. of who's calling you was up on the console. And we're all just talking, and we're waiting on this dr- these drugs to show up. And um, and the phone rang, and it was a picture of this guy and his girlfriend. They just had a baby. And so we're all talking and blah, blah, blah. And then the phone was ringing. Everybody got quiet. And we realized, like, you know, he's blowing off his girlfriend and his little infant uh, you know, to hang out with us to get mm-hmm. drugs. And it kind of, like, ugh. It was like a buzzkill, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, ugh. And then so the, the, the phone quieted, and then we, you know, got back to what we're doing. And then she called again. And it was just like the reality of it just punched us all in the stomach, you know. Mm. We're all like, "What are we doing?" You know, and uh, and then the guy next to me, um, he just said, "Man, that's this is what the stuff does to you, mm-hmm. you know. Like this is our life. We we do drugs, we do this thing, and this is, you know, it's kind of part of the comes with the territory almost. Like, yeah. and everybody's there. It's like, yeah, yeah. I just remember something, and I know, and now I know it's God. It just it just when he said that, I was like, no, this isn't who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was. And 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 so I don't know if I imagine everybody has this inner created in the image of God to know like mm, this is yeah. not this is not how it's supposed to be you know and I just remember I looked around the car and I said I'm I don't want to be like you guys like mm, and I saw it wow. if I keep going this is me in the car and uh and I and anyway I got back to the house and and after I kind of sobered up I I called somebody and said hey I I'm so I'm in over my head I'm not gonna be able to get out of this. And um and they got me to a treatment center and that was in two thousand six and um I haven't had a, a drink or a drug then since. Wow. So is that oh, sixteen years? That's something a, like that? Seventeen years? Long time, yeah. Yeah. As a nineteen year old and 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 is and you know, and but that but that wasn't the end of the story. It's really the beginning of the story mm-hmm. for me, for really finding God. I was at a it was like a secular and I'm not against like I mean, God created doctors, God create you know, so yes. I'm I'm not like against yes. it. Like get help. Um, but I was finally like humble enough and and open enough to to like pretty desperate. Yeah, I don't place. I don't know what's good for me, mm-hmm. you know. So I I, ma- I I was I made it a couple months, um, you know, clean and sober, going to meetings, doing the stuff. I had a sponsor, you know, and mm-hmm. and and I don't I don't have any shade against it. Like, um, it's part of my story is you know those secular twelve step programs. But a couple months in, God just kind of put one thing in front of my path after another. I started playing uh, drums at this little church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, where I lived at the time for cigarette money, you know? For cigarette money. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they had like a poster up at the wall. I was going to college and like, we need a drummer, we'll pay. And I was like, yeah, hey. And so I thought I tricked him. I thought I'd been like, you know, I knew enough spiritual words, you know? 
and uh, I, and uh, I was, you know, I was just, I was like, kind of thinking, I was sneaking in, you know, playing the drums, getting out of there, <laughs> and going for your cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and somewhere in there, um, I remember it. I was, I was sitting at a practice, and the band couldn't figure out what key we were in or how to play guitar. Like, you know, it was rough. You know, it was rough. Uh-huh. And I was just sitting there and listening to songs and hokey songs, right? Because I'm, I'm a music songs. guy. They're like bad music. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I just feel like the, I just feel, I knew it was God, but mm. I didn't know. Yeah. I just felt this peace. I felt something happen. I started tearing up and I'm like, S- you know, what is this? And I, I barged into the room of the, um, the pastor. His name was Greg. I said, Greg, I got to talk to you, man. Like, I, I, mm. I have been really honest. Like, I'm not a Christian, you know? And I thought it was like, like, I was really going to shock them. They're like, oh, we know. I was like, what do you mean, you know? I was like, well, you know, uh, you smoke like a pack a day, you know what I mean? You're back behind the church smoking and smoking and you cuss like a sailor. And we just <laughs> assumed, you know, you know, you're having giveaway. <laughs> yeah, right. I just thought I was like, whatever. And, um, and they just, he just proceeded to tell his testimony. And I remember I was like, that's cool, you know. And then he brought his wife in and she was like a rebellious, you know, pastor's kid, you know, and I was like, cool testimony. And then they brought, they brought, he brought like four people. They just, oh, wow. he just lined them up. I don't know if they were ready, but they just started giving their testimony. And one lady, she was a nerd. I mean, like nothing in common, really. And she just begins saying her testimony. And all of a sudden it felt like, man, I was smiling. I was crying. I felt the room light up. I had like a, like all the stuff in my head just couldn't withstand like this spiritual experience I was having. And I just, I remember like, this is God, mm-hmm. this is real. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I gave my life to the Lord that day. And that wasn't with a drug either. No, mm-hmm. it was, re- it was absolutely real. And, um, and there were some ups and downs and I backslid and I got real serious about my walk with God and, you know, but there was just this, I, there was, I was unwilling to surrender so much of, of my identity, like mm. this drummer, this, you know, this, uh, mm-hmm. this I had this idea of like who I wanted to be, you know, and it really, um, you know, I, I served, I went, I went to like this camp, I got invited to, you know, play drums and teach uh, like a Bible study at a uh, big youth camp, and I did that, and on the tail end of it, uh, I got a call from one of my best friends who was in recovery, and he's like, hey, like, we're ready to tour, like he had this band, he was, he was making this band, and I was like, I kind of told my friends, I was like, man, I think I'm gonna go like quit college and just like travel and play music, you know? And I probably was like a Christian for like six months. Uh-huh. They're like, man, I don't want to tell you what to do, but maybe think about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and it was like 30 minutes into the band. Like I'd already like walked away from my walk with Jesus. Like it was like, there, it was like it, it. And so like, it doesn't discourage me now as a pastor, as someone that walks with people, like, if God's got his his eyes on somebody and like is working on somebody, like we can truly trust that man the Holy Spirit is gonna do yeah. do the work. So I wanted to quit hurting. I wanted to not be on drugs anymore. I wanted that to happen, but I also wanted to do my own thing, live my own life, go my own way. Mm. And so the Lord, I felt like the Lord let me do it. I went and um totally backslid so much of uh darkness and I really a lot of destruction, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh in, with you know illicit relationships and traveling and so I'm in all the wild places I'm just drinking water instead of liquor mm. you know but just living living worldly and again like with this this idea of being this musician and this um uh I don't want to be explicit but like um very immoral lifestyle yeah. you yeah. know 
um, like sexually, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, and just wiling out in that direction, um, all the while knowing that like I'm running from this higher purpose that mm-hmm. God has for me. Yeah. And at that point, it was obvious. It was so obvious that like I wanted to be spiritual enough to not relapse and go back to my old life. Mm-hmm. Kind of lukewarm, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. If I would have died, I might have gone to heaven. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'll let someone else figure that yeah. out. But definitely running from like mm-hmm. what I knew the Lord had mm-hmm. for me the whole time. Um, at this point, I was probably diagnosed bipolar and I was on some type of medication that if I, t- if I missed a dose or two, it literally would break out in a rash. Oh. It was crazy. Wow. I don't even know what the stuff was, but it was like so insane. The amount of. Um, you know, in this part of my life, like I'd always been on, you know, uh, psych meds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, tricked in, you know, and, and, and started getting kind of hungry again, realizing, mm-hmm. you know what? I could, I could, uh, sleep with who I wanted to sleep with. I could do what I wanted to do. Um, but finding immense dissatisfaction and that depression and that mm-hmm. darkness mm-hmm. didn't leave. It mm-hmm. was like, it came back. And you felt that from the light to the well, you from mm-hmm. the dark to the light to the dark. You, yeah, you were, and it was I couldn't put I, it wasn't drugs anymore because I was clean and sober. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um, you know my I was I was kind of piecing together some type of a of a of a life that you know you could say is like worth living. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that it was like this 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 other thing and and so I remember um, kind of getting hungry spiritually hungry mm. thinking man you know like I want truth I want to know what's real. Um, and if it is religion, then I'll 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 go wa- I'll go all out for it. And mm-hmm. I and I was at a place wide open. I was like, you know what? If it's Buddhism, if it's Hinduism, <laughs> you know, um, mm-hmm. if it's like uh, Islam, and I was like, even Christianity, I will I will even concede that if like mm-hmm. if it is really Jesus, if it if this really if God really if Jesus really is who He says He is. I'll go wide out, you know? So you're saying that after God set you free and you had that experience mm-hmm. in the pastor's office, yeah. you still yeah. felt like, I need to know more. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. Because I, I did, you know, there was still, I, I, I didn't want to surrender my life. Mm. I wanted, I didn't want to surrender my, like, my dreams. I didn't want to surrender, like, who I thought I was. Mm-hmm. That was what I think I was holding on to the most, is that I had this idea of who I wanted to be, what I thought was going to make me happy. And I was unwilling to surrender it, mm. you know? I, I could whitewash maybe the, the, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm spiritual. But at the mm-hmm. core, like, I, if I let this go, I just felt like I was not going to be okay. And so I, I, I clung to it. And um, anyway, I got I get tricked in by this woman in South Mississippi who would have the Walkman on. And she was like listening to gospel music in the gym, you know, and she'd be like, there's a lot of tricking (laughs) happened in your life. (laughs) You got to come to my church. And I was like, okay. I was was literally, I was like, I don't even know why I did. I was like, all right, I'll go to your church, you know, because I was hungry. Uh And, um, and man, they were they were like a Pentecostal spirit filled church. And I was like, y'all are wild enough. I just appreciate it. You know what I mean? I was like, y'all don't care at all if y'all look crazy. And I I can, I can appreciate that, you know? And then quickly they're like, Hey, you want to go to this worship thing? It's in Nashville. It's like a music thing. I'll pay for your food. I'll pay. You give you a little per diem. You walk away with money in your pocket. Wow. Now my band wasn't doing anything that week, and I was like, "Yeah, I like Nashville, I'll go." You know. And it was the biggest setup of my life. I mm-hmm. show up. It's at um, the factory in Franklin. Uh-huh. They rented the whole thing out, and it was like lights out worship. I mean, people are lifting their hands, and they were on their face or on their knees, crying out to God. I was like, "Oh no." I just and got you're stuck tricked. there for the weekend. Yeah, I just got tricked into coming to this thing, you know? 
I was like, God, I remember looking around and being like, y'all look so ridiculous, you know? Literally, there was like a disdain. I was like, that's funny. And so I was like, well, you know, I guess I'm here, you know? I, <laughs> you know, I'm like dipping out still, smoking, smoking cigarettes, you know what I mean? And, uh, um, and I just remember just like, you know, like, yeah, whatever, this ain't too bad. And, uh, and it was just one moment. There wasn't a, there wasn't a preacher, there wasn't an altar call. It was a, it was just mm-hmm. a worship leader. And um, he was just exhorting people, like, man, press into God. God's real. Mm. God's here. God sees you. God knows you. You know, you're not here on accident. Yeah. And I just remember, okay, you know, and I remember I closed my eyes, and um, I, like, God, like, began to speak to me. Mm. And uh, and I knew it was real. It was the Lord. And and I knew it was God. It was love. It was perfect. It was, it was like, it was not nothing to be afraid of, but I mm-hmm. knew this was, like, a spiritual thing. And God was like, Simon, can I have all of you? Wow. Can I have all of you? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, my first reaction was like, God, you already do, you know? Mm. I try not to cuss as bad, you yeah. know? I'm not like, I'm kind of cleaning up my uh, dating, you know what I mean? Uh, I'm not drinking, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm good. I'm perfect, you know? Like, yeah. I'm a righteous man, you know? Like, how yeah, crazy. Yeah. Thinking and, and, and think, you know, on the outside, I was like judging myself. Like, I'm nowhere where I used to be. Right. And like, that was my response to, to really having this conversation with God in this dark room where everyone's worshiping, you know? Mm-hmm. And then he just, he asked me again, Simon, um, will you give me all of you? Mm. Will you will you give me all of yourself? And I just remember it was like this, this like time stood still. And I mm. said, okay, yes, God, I'll give you. And I knew what he meant. He meant my hopes, my dreams, mm-hmm. my future, the person I wanted to be, the person I was going to end up with marrying, like my life, like God wanted that. God mm. wanted all of me. I remember I said yes, and um, I had no grid for what was about to happen next, but like, I'm probably 5'10", 170 pounds at that time, and and, and a 5'10", 170 pound being literally stepped into my body. I remember I was sitting there, and it literally just entered into me, <laughs> every square inch of me, mm. filled, and it was like, it was like my, I, I started like, not shaking, like trembling, like my skin like the was it was it was like animated mm. and i remember i just felt love and light and peace and 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 it was god i knew wow. it was god just filled me and i remember i immediately just started crying and something in mm. me just kind of broke and uh and i just i was experiencing the love of god mm-hmm. and i realized like god always loved me he was mm. always pursuing me it was like this it was like this moment of time but i saw like even as like a kid with the piece of paper underneath the door, yeah. like God was there. God was always there, always mm. wanted me, always loved me, you know. And it and it it was overwhelming that mm. that like he, that he loved me, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had no no business being lovable to God. Like mm. I was a mess. Yeah. And I was I was I was running and I was hurting people, hurting myself. Mm-hmm. And I was aware like he loved me, and mm. that was it. Mm. And then it was like, and on the tail end, it was like, yes, he loved me. But I just immediately got this picture of this whole other life mm. of helping people, of like using me, using, my, you know, and I was just overwhelmed. Wow. Overwhelmed. All at the same time. All at the same time. It was like, I've always loved you and I've got this incredible mm. purpose for your life right now, like wow. right now. And, um, and it just, it rocked me. And, and, uh, uh, and I'm like having this beautiful moment, you know, and I'm just, and I'm like, kind of in like not even aware of my surroundings and then all of a sudden I'm like man 
this is such a beautiful moment, but like someone next to me is really loud. Like there's <laughs> someone worshiping in my like space and they're just going to town. And like, and I, and, and, I, and I started listening, I'm like, man, and they're not even from America. Like whatever their, whatever language they're worshiping in is like really loud. And I don't know the language. Uh. I'm like, man. They, and after a while I'm like, they're really kind of being rude. Like I'm having a moment here with God. <laughs> And I, and I look around and I realize, oh no, that's me. At the top of my lungs, I am singing and speaking in a language I had no idea what that it was. That is hilarious. And I remember I just, I, I clamped down, I like put my hand on my mouth and I looked around and I was like, oh God, no one saw me, you know? That'd be weird. You know, I'm all crying. I'm like, Ooh. Yeah. really care about my image here, you know? Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's filled funny. with the spirit. Mm. Wrecked. Ba- I mean, you had no idea what was going on. away. I didn't know if that was real. I didn't wow. know what it was. There was one Christian in my life. He um, he was like a sneaky, he was a sneaky Christian. He he owned this um, consignment store that sold like really cool merch and, you know, band t-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. He like opened up a storefront and sold skinny jeans and Converse and, you know, <laughs> yep. Purple Rain shirts. Like, and he was trying to infiltrate the music community I was in with the gospel. He was, and I was like, I, I went home, I was like, I need to find a Christian. I just asked my friends, they're like, you know, what happened to you? And they're like, we know one guy, his name's Mark. He's the only Christian we know. And he's like a super Christian. So I walk in and it was like this, it was a consignment store that was, he was really trying to reach out to the music community in Hattiesburg. Mm. And I walked into this, this uh, consignment store and I was like, Mark, dude, something happened to me. And he's, and he had like customers in the store. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't know what I was at this thing and there was music and I love God. I was like, dude, I love God so much. I love God. And I just started crying, I remember it. And he started crying, and there was like people oh. around. He's like, praise God, but you know, and he kind of started discipling me. And, um, That's so funny. And I tell you what, like, there's been dips in my life where there's parts of me that, mm. that God was healing and, and rooting out, but it's never been the same. Mm. And I've been on fire for God, full of his love, full of his spirit, mm. full of this purpose, like, since then. And um, that was like 2009. I moved wow. to Nashville in 2010. I looked around. I was like, I don't even know where this is. Where this exists. I guess if I want more of this, I got to move to Nashville. <laughs> and God was like, Yeah, do it. So I moved to Nashville, sold all my stuff from South Mississippi to Nashville, and um, wound up in a church. And um, a year later, I'm traveling with a huge gospel revival band, and it's on God TV. I'm playing drums. And then, like a few months after that, I'm a youth pastor, and then it just it just took off. Like I couldn't have made any of it up. Yeah. Um, wild stuff. That is wild just stuff. So crazy. <laughs> wild yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been. A, I mean, you have proved that God works. You can, have. Can I share the? Can yeah. I share the? Okay, so I'm in I'm in South Mississippi. Let me bring this full circle. Okay. I have not really been um, around believers yet so mm-hmm. i'm i'm listening to podcasts i'm just reading the bible i've got one mixed cd a burnt cd with these worship songs that this dude from south mississippi made for me and i'm just coming in after work i'm working at a treatment center and i'm just crashing on the floor and worshiping god mm-hmm. like hours in the presence of god tra- getting transformed and i just didn't know what i didn't know yet right and one day i just i guess the thought i was like man God, you're doing all this in my life. I know you're real. I'm like, what about the what about the drugs I'm taking? At this point, I was kind of like, not a conspiracy, but I'm like, this can't be good for me. Like, why 
why is it the God of that created me the first time, that loves me, that's real, why do I have to take these pills that's changing my, my mind, the chemistry of my brain to be able to deal with life? I was like, that just doesn't make sense mm. to me, mm-hmm. not a doctor. So I just started pressing in and, and I felt the Lord say, hey, Simon, if you trust me, I'll heal you of whatever this is. Mm. I made you the first time. I can and I can either fig I can teach you how to live with this, or I can literally reconstruct your brain to be okay. Wow! And I just and I just there was no one around me. The only people around me was like, yeah, just fast and do it. You know, <laughs> they're just wild. There were there was wild believers. That's great. So I was like, all right, I'm doing it. And I remember I um I think I got one go- article off of Google that was like, yeah, big pharma is the you know they they pr- they prey on you know screwed up kids and and they put them on drugs for the rest of their life. And I was like, all right, I'm done, you know. <laughs> so I remember I just I, I had these little pills and I cut them in half. I did that for about a week, kind of weaned myself off. And um and I remember I had some of the most over the top reactions. Mm. So I'm like I'm I'm loving God. I'm in His presence, but like my body's like I'm shaking. I'm having metal taste in my mouth it was it was the wildest thing in my life like it was like a week or two of it i wrecked a car like i I think about that right now that's pretty major (laughs) if i if i had experienced that right now there's no way i would have done it Hmm. because i because i have so many people that's full of wisdom in my life now that would say don't do that but at the time i just i was living with my best friend ben who was the guitar player of the band and you know i had a recording studio and and you know and i'm having these wild encounters with god it was like crazy Hmm. you know so i just it just made sense and um, and I got over the physical reaction. God like walked me through it, held my hand through mm. the, the whole time, and um, and I had this experience with the Lord that kind of was like, I don't know. There's a, there's a, a passage in Hebrews that says God's a rewarder of those who mm-hmm. diligently seek Him. And my experience, right? This is my experience. It was in the middle of the night. I had just gotten over the worst of the the physical withdrawals from the drugs I was on. Mm-hmm. And it was like a clap of lightning jumped me out of the bed. And it was real. It wasn't in my mind. It was an audible voice. I heard a boom. I sprung out of bed. It was in the middle of the night. And I heard, audibly heard, um, Daniel 4. Mm-hmm. And I was like, who's Daniel? Right? <laughs> I hadn't even... I, no yeah, clue. Yeah. I'm literally hearing the voice of God. No clue. Mm. No clue. And I'm like, that was so crazy. That feels important. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then right as I'm trying to go to bed, I'm like, that kind of sounds like there's a, isn't there a book in the Bible called Daniel? You know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right. So I, I open up the Bible and I'm like, four. Oh, there's just a four. And I'm reading the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And the Holy Spirit's like, this is your life. Mm-hmm. You're this tree. I've got this plan for you, but like you better check yourself because if if you get if you get out of league with me, you're gonna be like that tree that's cut down. Wow! And it was like almost this warning. It was like mm-hmm. this. I haven't even really walked. I'm I'm like, what is going on? And I felt that the Lord was saying like, Hey, I've got this plan for you. Mm. Um, but if you get haughty and in your mm-hmm. own mind about it, like you're gonna be the tree that's cut down. Wow. And I and anyway, anyway, I heard the voice of the Lord. Um, and you know what? That was in 2009. And since then, mm. um, man, I've, I've never been, the, I've, I've, you know, yeah. that's kind of a part of my past of, yeah. of having a, of a, a, a name on me, you mm-hmm. know, of depressed or yes. bipolar anxiety and God completely healed me, mm. completely healed me. There was actually parts of my, my mind and my soul 
that I felt like that th- th- that medication um I would I wasn't able to get into some deep places with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the that was kind of the motivation. I was like I want as much of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as possible. I want to I want to live in the presence of God. I want to I want and I didn't even have these words yet. Yeah. I, I I wasn't verbose in Christianese. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I'd experienced something that was more real and more powerful and more wonderful than anything else I've experienced in my life. I was like, I just want to live my whole life in that place. And it was mm. the presence of God. It was, the, it was His Spirit. And I said, if, if these drugs are keeping me, yeah. these good things are keeping me from it. Yeah. I was so far past the like sin. Is this good for me? Is this bad for me? Is this sin? Mm-hmm. I was like, I, that, that thinking is gone. I want God. Mm. And if anything is keeping me from like being with Him, it's out of here. Yeah. It's gone. Oh, that's awesome. And um, my, and my life began to totally get transformed mm-hmm. through that lens, not yeah. through is this right or is this wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to be I want to be close to His Spirit. I want to be close in His presence. And if anything is hindering me, it's out of my life. Mm-hmm. It's out of my life. Mm-hmm. And and that pursuit of God's presence is what healed me from mm-hmm. from whatever yeah. whatever it's a mental disorder. I don't know what it's called. I just know that. That I started encountering God in different ways, yeah. and and I started hearing His voice like mm. that, like that experience I had, and it was God telling me like, "Hey, like, you know what? Like, if you want the depths of me, this thing is keeping you mm-hmm. from experiencing me." That is so good because I think a lot of times people fall into the trap of settling for not God's best, but for man's best, and mm-hmm. it's not even close. Yeah. It's what we think, you know, whether it be the medications or the yeah. counseling or the thing, the better job or, you know, mm-hmm. just doing things that make me feel good instead of that intimacy that you have found in the Lord mm-hmm. and that time with Him and the surrender. We miss that. And we miss that in churches. Yeah. We don't hear that full surrender like yeah. we should. The gospel, the gospel is an encounter with a living God that never ends. You really think what what are we even invited into? What is the gospel? Is it's not principles for life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's wisdom in there and God leads us into into principles that that where we're blessed and we walk victorious, but it's an encounter with a living mm. God right here and right now. Like that's what we get and then when we die the principles of the I mean, it's him. Mm-hmm. We we get a walk with him. I know we're we're short on time. Can I share like kind of the last mm-hmm. latest? Mm-hmm. So somewhere in there recently, I you know, my message has always been just intimacy with God, growing close to the Lord. But God really did something in my life to to where it 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 put an a an a it moved me from the place of being reactionary to the the attack of the devil to the the harm that mm. I was I was really messed up as a kid. And I remember um when I first moved to Nashville I was fasting and and I and and it wasn't a it was not an accusation I had against the Lord but I just said God like where were you? Like mm. I know you love me. There's just a part of my mind that's I'm trying, you know, I I just lack understanding like when I was a kid and when I was sexually abused and when I was physically abused and I was abandoned and all this terrible stuff happened like where were you like Mm -hmm. i know you love me but this doesn't make sense and my eyes were down i was on the floor um praying and i had this encounter where these two these two little pinpricks of light 
slowly came into my 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 consciousness. Like my eyes were closed, but I was really, it was a real experience. I remember I got up, I walked my I was like, what is happening? You know? I closed my eyes, boom, they're there. And these two little pinpricks of light were were eyeballs. And in front of my face materialized the face of of a of a man. And it was a it was attractive face. It wasn't it wasn't scary, but it was cold and it was mm. evil. And I'm like, God, what is this? You know? I asked God this question. I thought he was gonna answer in a a book study or a sermon mm-hmm. and it was like, oh, I was having I was having an experience, mm-hmm. a vision, an open whatever. Um and it was and and I became aware this is the face of Satan. The mm-hmm. face of Satan. And I'm so I'm staring at Satan with my eyes closed. And I'm like, okay. And and I felt a, a rush of the whole of the presence of the Lord, like this is gonna be okay. And then immediately I was plunged into every single traumatic, hellish demonic experience I had as a kid mm. where I was abused every time I was crying on the floor back to mm. that experience of me mm-hmm. sliding that paper underneath there vomiting like and it was like fast and it hurt like there was I, I was I was realizing oh there's like some pain still mm. attached to this you know um and I'm and I'm just like god what is this why am I reliving this thing and my in my face is, mm-hmm. is satan and all of a sudden it was like I realized that every time the the pain of my of being afflicted as a kid, like the devil laughed mm. in real time in front of my face, and so I would go through, I would relive this experience, and I'm and I'm seeing Satan take delight mm. in the pain that was inflicted on me as an innocent kid, and I re and it was like it I was like oh God never intended for me to to hurt like. There's a real enemy yeah. that came after me as an innocent yeah. person, as an innocent kid, and it and it's really kind of changed my life and really my ministry. Where, where I'm, I'm, yeah. The church is called to bind up the brokenhearted, to 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 see healing, but I'm at a place in my life and my ministry now. The church I'm leading now is like, hey, I'm not just reacting to what the enemy mm. does. Mm-hmm. I'm here to oppose the enemy. Amen. I'm here good. to say, like, hey, yep. you know what? I thank God for my testimony, but what if I never had to experience that? Because because there was a Christian there, there was God that you know was a, opposing what the enemy was doing, and so you know right now in our church, I, I, I pastor a church in um, West Tennessee. It's called Faith Assembly, and um and and I've got a nonprofit, Simon Davenport Ministries. And really, all of this is, yes, we're called to bind up the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. but I believe God's raising up a standard in the land to oppose the works of darkness, to, to heal, but to say no, like, yeah. no, in the yes. name of Jesus. Yes. And it's not an angry thing. It's not a, you know, a, it's a thing. It's author- God's authority thing. It's to say, you know what? Yep. We're, we're to be salt and light on the earth, yep. and the church has lost its saltiness, and so... Yeah, you can find me online, Simon Davenport, uh, Faith Assembly. There's tens of stuff. Um, but we, I would love to, to, to meet with you there to, to have a conversation about what God's doing. I think we need a, another conversation. I feel like we're in the middle of the conversation and we have to say see you later. But we'll, we'll work something out. We will be back and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye.